Okay. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to One Woman Words. I'm Michelle, and with me, of course, is Diana. Hello. Hello. So, I do have to do a little tiny disclaimer that if I launch, I was just telling Diana, if I launch into a sneezing fit halfway through or several points during the show, I apologize. Um, apparently, Chicago um, sucks for weather. Um, it's been like super gray, but the rain stopped and then it started again and all the progress I've made on my allergies just completely reversed itself today. Mm -hmm. So, I'm, Well, it is known for being the Windy City. You know, fun fact, I didn't have a chance to research that, but um, my mom said that someone told her that the Windy City isn't based, isn't because of the weather, it's because back in, like, I don't know what year, it was because all the politicians were in Chicago, and it was all about, they're all blustery and full of hot air, so it became known as the Windy City because of that. Huh. I have to fact check that, but I thought that was interesting. That is really interesting. I've been all about the um, more you know stuff because I've been sending Ryan um, one French vocabulary word of the day, and after I, I send him a vocabulary word, I send a gift of, <laughs> or a gif of uh, the shooting star and the more you know. <laughs> so I've been having fun with that. My mom just came in. She goes, I told you I didn't know if that was true. I know. I have to fact check it. Good night. Yeah, Mom. And we already put that disclaimer in that we have to fact check it. We'll, we'll Snopes it. Snopes, right? That's what it's called. Yeah, Snopes. Snopes is from, uh, from uh, Star Wars. Oh. That sounded right. <laughs> but anyway. Um... We have moved on to new books this month. Um, trying something a little bit different this time. I am reading Z by Therese Ann Fowler. And Diana is reading Guests on Earth by Lee Smith. Guests on Earth. Yeah. Um, so they are both historical fiction books about Zelda Fitzgerald. Um, Guess on Earth. More about is about Zelda. It's the biographical historical fiction of her, and mine has I guess Zelda as a player within this girl's story. Yeah, she's kind of like a like a, a supporting character, mm. but I think it's kind of interesting to see Zelda played like seen from a different character's point of view. Oh, absolutely. Especially since I love all things uh, Zelda and the Fitzgerald, so I'll yeah. really, really love this. I think I've read the first chapter. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I just got to the point where she just technically meets Zelda for the first time. Mm -hmm. I love, I read it um, a while ago, actually, it was before we moved. So I think it was in October, maybe September that I read it. But um, I love all the characters in it. And that book, so I haven't started Z yet. I, I will probably start it this weekend. But Z is like her entire life, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. It starts off with her as a teenager. And then it goes through until um, she and Ska pretty much separated, I think, is where it, is, where it ends. Um, oh. Yeah, I know. Sorry, spoiler. Um, but that one, I listened to that one on audio and I just, I got so involved in that story because I'll listen to audiobooks on my commute home since I have such a long commute. And it was just, it was one of those stories where I would pause my phone, come in the house and while I was making dinner, I would continue to listen to the story. I got so into it. Um, and just the way it was narrated and everything was was wonderful. Um, I'm on the first chapter of Guests on Earth, and I really quite like it. It's already a bit of a gut wrench. Um, what yeah, this her story is so sad. Yeah. So, but we are having both 
authors on at the end of the month. So we're just kind of have kind of like a round table about Zelda and their books. So it's going to be a Zelda Fitzgerald party. And I'm so excited because that means there's going to be a hell of a lot of alcohol and a hell of a lot of talking about Zelda. And it's going to be so much fun. Um, cause I mean, really Zelda, I feel would be disappointed if we did not have alcohol in hand while we were discussing her and her life. I wonder if we should like do a theme evening and dress up. I don't know about dressing up, but I would well, maybe not dress up, but like maybe like one of the the twenty bands. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I might put makeup on. Yeah, make sure to do a theme uh, cocktail. I probably or maybe do champagne. I think Zelda was quite fond of champagne in the book, if I remember correctly. I feel like champagne and gin, and I don't like gin, so champagne <laughs> is is a good choice. Yeah, well, some or a nineteen twenties cocktail that would be fun too. That could be like our month-long project. We could right. sample them out for the next week, next month, and then oh do our God. favorite. Next week, I'm gonna have a cocktail, and I'm I'm sure they had some wine and champagne cocktails. And given the fact that she was part of the last generation, she spent a good chunk of time in France, and so there's bound to be some some great wines. French wines, I would think, would be would be part of this too. That's like. A new research project for us. It is, and I am fully behind it. I support this 100%. So, speaking of alcohol, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking it's the one that my mom picked out. It's Mark West. It's a Pinot Noir. Um, it's really, it's pretty good. I've never, I've never seen it, and I've never had it before, but I like it. Um, I'm finding I'm not a big fan of Pinot Noirs. I, I don't haven't really drink Pinot Noirs that often. Yeah, uh, I don't like sweet wines, and I don't know. There's just something that's maybe I'm just not picking the right ones. I like them to have a little bit more flavor and a little less sweet. You know the thing on like the back of the door, like the door jam thing, that if you pull it and it like bounces and it goes. Uh huh. I'm pretty sure I just heard it upstairs. That's why I Sorry, well, girl. Okay. Well, my turn for my alcohol. Um, tonight I'm drinking one of our favorites, Dark Horse. I really like that wine. I do too. Yeah. Have you have you had the Sauvignon Blanc? I have. I have had the Sauvignon Blanc and the Cabernet. Okay. Um, I've only had their white so far. And I really like this. It's so citrusy. I really like their white. I, I think I have to get that again. I've been trying to like try something new each time I go food shopping. And this week I, I resisted, but so I'm glad my mom picked something up. Otherwise I would have had to drink water with oh. wine, women and words. And that just doesn't that's sound just not right. That's, that's, no. that's heresy, Michelle. That is heresy. And we do not do that here. <laughs> tea is acceptable. You can drink tea. You can drink tea and pretend it's whiskey, or you can drink whiskey and pretend it's tea. And you can drink wine. Those are the acceptable alcohol <laughs> or acceptable drinks for wine, women, and words. Well, fortunately, mom saved the day, and I didn't yeah. have to resort to any trickery in wine glasses. Mm. Yeah, so I'm thinking I might, I have to clear out. I've got like about like three different bottles open because it's like, um, what mood, what food am I in the mood for? What wine am I in the mood for? It's like, hmm, today I'm going to go with Il Vistardo Cabernet. And then it's like I still have a little bit left. So I'm like, oh, I need to actually finish this up so I can go stock up at Total Wine and more for more wine. I found this winery. I think it's – Kansas makes sense, but I forget where. Mm -hmm. um, it's called Oz Winery, and I found them online. And it's all Wizard of Oz themed wine don't bottles. Kansas, because Kansas is weird. They don't, unless they've changed their laws, they don't allow for the sale of their alcohol to be outside of the state. Then I have to figure out where they were yeah, because their labels. I think we might need it. Their labels are adorable. I I I don't even care if the wine sucks because they have. We went there. They have this uh, beer called Flying Monkey that my husband really loves, and all of our friends that live in Texas love it. And I kid you not, one weekend, he, or actually one day, he and his friends 
did a beer run from Dallas, Texas to this brewery in Kansas just so they, they could get that wine. Or I'm sorry, that beer. It was like a 600-mile beer run. That's, holy cow, they have a $5,000 bottle of wine. Yeah, sure, I'll get that next paycheck. Um, I don't know about that. But <laughs> it, they, are, they are in Kansas. It's the Oz Winery in downtown Wamego, Kansas. Wamego. Wamego. I wonder if they can ship out of state because I would totally get some. Because their wine labels are just so cute. Like, and really, that's I, how we judge a lot of our wine label wines is by the label and by like, and by the price tag. Yeah, that too. Those are the two factors. I love the video that we shared on Facebook where people were tasting uh, cheap wines versus expensive wines and trying to tell the difference. And it was all the cheap wines were the ones that people were loving. They're like, no, this is the expensive wine. And it was all the um, the wine snobs that were getting it wrong and mm -hmm. the two buck chuck fans that were like getting it all right i feel like i feel like that would be us i feel like i've outgrown two buck chuck i don't actually know if i've ever had two buck chuck to be honest have you gotten the two dollar wines from um the charles shaw wine from trader joe's no i don't really go to trader joe's ah see that's where two buck chuck comes from, is trader joe's and then previously it was two dollars however it is now up to 250. Uh oh because you know the price of grapes and inflation and whatnot and it's an okay wine I, I, I do and it's you know a decent wine but it just i don't know there it doesn't quite have the, the flavor that i like anymore or in general so and it, there's so many wines that you can get on sale that are like five dollars or sometimes i can i'll walk into trader joe's and there's some for like three dollars and i'm like oh must put this in the cart. Doesn't matter if it's midday and I'm just coming in here to pick up some lunch. Uh, throw that in the cart and uh, save it for later. No judgment. Yeah. Well, I'm still like I'm drinking at work, even though sometimes I feel like I must. Well, um, so tonight, now that we've talked about wine for like 20 minutes, um, we are finally, this is a long overdue conversation between Diana and I, because last Sunday, I finally saw Beauty and the Beast. Yes, <laughs> and I, I dragged my husband, he happened to have the, the day off, and I dragged him out uh, to go see Beauty and the Beast the day it opened. Um, actually, no, I didn't see it, we didn't see it the day it opened, we saw it two days later on a Sunday. I have to sneeze, it's coming. Uh, big white elephants. Think big white elephants. So. See, there you go. You didn't sneeze. No, it left. That's uh, why. You got to see big white elephants and then it leaves. So basically, tonight we're just going to nerd out and talk about Beating the Beast. And um, we're also going to talk about um, fairy tale origins because I don't know. I'm, I'm sure many people know, but the origins of some of our most beloved fairy tales and Disney movies are actually pretty dark and twisted and awful. And they do not have the happily ever after endings that Disney shows them as having. So, let's yeah, talk about the subject today because um, I discovered, I never actually really looked into the original Pinocchio story. And, and I don't know that one, so you're going to have to tell me because I didn't even know that there was an original Pinocchio Shall we start story. off with that before we get into Beauty and the Beast? Yeah, because I'm, I'm really curious about that. Okay, so backstory. I'm doing some research on a book, and um, I messaged my dad, who is um, pretty much a scholar when it comes to Italian literature and history, and I asked him what books would be considered classic Italian literature. And one of the books on the list was Pinocchio. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I mentioned it to my husband, and he was like, yeah, you know, it is kind of dark, so, you know, be careful. And I was like, okay, all fairy tales. So then I went and looked it up today, and I read an article on Slate about it before I actually started reading the story. And they're like, it's a really messed up story. So basically, it was written by this dude who hated children. Um, no lie, the guy did not like children. Um, um, it's Carlo... I'm trying to get back to my my screen here on my Kindle. 
Um, and my dog is freaking out. Okay. Carlo Caliti was the guy who wrote it. And it's basically... So the story is similar to how we know in Disney. This guy by the name of Geppetto um, decides he doesn't have any children. He needs kind of, you know, a bit of a vagabond, at least in the fairy tale. He gets a piece of wood and he decides to carve a puppet out of it. The wood is already magical. It's already been messing around with another woodworker. And he, take, and he buys it from the woodworker. And so he creates this puppet out of the, um, out of the wood. And as soon as he finish, uh, finishes a uh, carving the feet, the puppet kicks him in the nose. And then, and then he runs off and he's just horrible. He like steals the guy's poor, the poor guy's wig and he's just really horrible to him. And then after Geppetto's gone, he comes back to get his stuff so that he can run away. And he's talking to this unnamed talking cricket who introduces himself as the talking cricket of the house. And as the cricket is trying to teach him a lesson about being kinder to Geppetto. And he's like, you know, dude, you were really kind of mean. I'm paraphrasing here, obviously. And, you know, you shouldn't really behave that way. Pinocchio loses his temper, grabs a hammer, and bashes the cricket's head in. This is a children's story. This, Even though this guy did not like children, this was a children's story written as a series of um, short stories, uh, The Adventures of Pinocchio in this magazine, for kids. And this is only in the beginning part. As the story progresses, things worse and worse happen. Um, you know, they were talking about in the Slate article where he is he's dipped in flour multiple times and then turned into a donkey with a, or made to look like a donkey with a dress on and made to do really weird uh, girlish dances on stage for people. Um, he is beaten, he's abused, he does horrible things. And then finally, in the end, instead of him becoming a real boy, he gets, um, a rabbit ties a noose around his neck, he gets drawn and gets drawn and quartered. And then he lives happily ever after. <laughs> wow. Yeah, after that ended, like, the kids were like, what happened to Pinocchio? We want more Pinocchio. And the editor had to go back make uh, Carlo go back and write more about it um, just because and resurrect him and give him an ending because um, the kids weren't satisfied. So yeah, that's awful. the story behind it. Yeah. It's an awful, like really dark story. And I didn't realize how dark it was. And in the Slate article, Walt Disney actually almost uh, stopped production of Pinocchio altogether because when they were trying to figure out how to tell this story for the cartoon, they couldn't figure out a way to do it without it being so very dark. And he got frustrated and stopped it. And they had to basically rewrite the whole story. I didn't like Pinocchio to begin with when I was like, I don't, I don't even know if I watched the whole movie when I was a kid, but the stupid Island with the, the donkeys, I did not like that. You know, I think out of all the Disney cartoons, he's one of my least favorites. When it comes to the feature cartoons. Like I, I like the rescuers, I think, more than I like Pinocchio. Wow, the rescuers. I haven't thought about those. I don't I, think I like that one either. They weren't bad. No, they weren't bad, but, but they I mean, weren't great. It was then that really lull of Di when Disney wasn't turning out very good movies. Well, so there are uh so one story that I knew about but when we decided that we were gonna do twisted fairy tale origins was sleeping beauty um hold on i found my my book when we're talking about twisted fairy tale origins and whatnot one must have grim's grimmest oh that's awesome yeah it's got all the original uh fairy tales all like grim and stuff like really oh, dark. awful and twisted and dark and miserable. Mm-hmm. Yes, love every bit about it because it's got the original um, Cinderella in here too. I was just I was reading about Cinderella earlier because I didn't know the origin, or I think I don't think I knew the origin of Cinderella. Um, I knew. Oh no, I did know Cinderella. I knew that. 
Urgent Cinderella. So really quick, if, in case you guys didn't know, Cinderella was where the sisters, the stepsisters were so desperate to fit, one of the sisters was so desperate to fit into the shoe that she cut off her toes, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then birds like pecked out their eyes, the stepmother and stepsister's eyes when they left the house at the end, right? Mm-hmm. And then the karma. Didn't didn't someone cut off their nose too, or was it just the toes? I think it was just the toes or like the heels. And in the actual live action movie, they actually have one of one of the uh, characters, one of the stepsisters, actually cuts her heel so that she could fit into it. And he's like, "What's all this blood?" And she's like, "I don't know what you're talking about." I've never been that desperate to fit into a pair of shoes. No, and I've ha I've got some big feet, so you know I have tried to scrunch those toes up into it. I'm just saying. I would never well, come up though. No. So the origin of Sleeping Beauty is really just sick and disturbing. So Sleeping Beauty, she doesn't fall, she isn't cursed by pricking her finger on the spindle. Um, she goes to sleep because of a prophecy. And she doesn't wake up from True Love's Kiss. She um She's asleep for 100 years, and then a king finds her and sees her sleeping, and natural train of thought thinks, hey, she's really pretty. I think I'm going to sleep with her. And so, by kids, we mean fornicate. Yeah. Um, so they have sex, <laughs> which um, he rapes her because she's asleep and doesn't know what's going on, and then she gets pregnant. And stays asleep through the whole thing. Gives birth to twins while she's asleep. And then... Sleep through that. Seriously. Which I wouldn't have minded sleeping through that. <laughs> um, and then one of the babies, like, sucks on her finger and dislodges, like, a splinter or what something that was keeping her asleep. And that's how she woke up. So this girl went to sleep. Uh, virgin and without children and woke up and found out that she had been raped and is now the mother of two and that translates into Flora, Fauna and Meriwether fighting over what color Aurora's dress will be as she dances off into the horizon with uh, Prince Philip. It's Prince Philip, right? Yeah. So she actually ends up marrying, is it the king that knocks her up that she ends up marrying? Was it Philip who knocks her up, or was it somebody else? They don't actually say what the name of the king is. I think they do get married, mm. but um, not because of true love, because of, hey, you're the father of my kids that I, I apparently have. Because shotgun weddings even existed back then. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping that it was Philip because, you know, a man's got to take responsibility for his actions. I'm just saying. Um, my other one that I have that is um, another one that Disney whitewashed and made really pretty nicer than what it actually was in the end was The Little Mermaid. Now, do you have you heard the original Little Mermaid story? You know the um, I've heard, I mean, I know... I'm pretty sure I have. I don't want to ruin it. You go. Okay, so the story is pretty much the exact same thing that you see in the Disney cartoon. You got this princess. She falls in love with this prince, but he's a land dweller, and she's always been obsessed with the land, and she wants to be human. So she makes a deal with a sea witch, goes up above, and loses her voice for it. Now, this is where things differ. What happens is she loses her voice and he looks upon her like a friend. She's his little court jester. She, he's, he's fond of her, but he's not actually in love with her. And of course, you know what? He doesn't know that she's a princess, so you know what? She can't marry her. Hmm. So she can't make him fall in love with her. And then this other girl comes along, who is actually a princess that he knows is a princess, that he actually ends up falling in love with. with. And... Uh, Ariel, she's not given three days. She's giving a longer time. But at the when all is said and done, she has to make him love her 
before sunup on a certain day. And it's approaching and he is in love with her and he goes and actually marries this other woman. And because her, her sisters are all upset, they don't want her to die, obviously. So they give her a knife. They made a deal with the sea witch themselves and they got a knife and they give her the knife and they tell her, if you kill him, you can come, you can get your fins back and you can come back with us. So she goes into the bedroom and she goes, she has, she contemplates whether she's going to kill him. And then instead, instead of killing him, she turns around and she kills herself. And then to smooth things over, instead of her actually going back into the becoming foam in the sea, because apparently that's what happens when mermaids uh, die, according to Hans Christian Andersen, um, she becomes a fairy and spends the rest of her time, 100 years or so, becoming a virtuous fairy. So that is the true story behind The Little Mermaid. I didn't know. I knew. Oh, oh. The version that I heard was that she jumped off a cliff because her because the prince married someone else and she couldn't get her fins back so she just jumped off a cliff and drowned because she, but so i've never heard about the dagger part that's interesting yeah that's the one from his actual uh fairy tale the one oh, that, okay. that the one that he wrote his original one but apparently um you know even in some of the retellings people want to make it so that kids aren't so traumatized yeah, because suicide is, what, suicide by knife, I guess, is less traumatizing or more traumatizing than suicide by drowning. Yeah, or su yeah, I mean, suicide by jumping off a cliff. Yeah, and kids aren't likely to come across a cliff as much as they are to come across a, uh, a knife. I guess. <laughs> um, I was just reading, so I found this article. It was the a list of 10... Um, ten fairy tales, like the origins of fairy tales, and it has Sleeping Beauty, the version that I just told you. And I was re reading over the comments, and this one woman posted from like three years ago. So I don't, I don't know how accurate this person is, but she has a different version of Sleeping Beauty. She says. The original, the princess, is walking through the village when the carpenter sees her. He decides he wants her, so he drugs her, kidnaps her, and keeps her in his workshed where his wife won't find her. He keeps her sedated and rapes her repeatedly, and after nine months, she gives birth to twins. The suckling of the twins is what allows her to wake up, the drugs being metabolized faster or simply drained from her, and she develops Stockholm Syndrome, and she and the carpenter fall in love. So naturally, they take his axe and chop up his wife and then live happily ever after in their cabin. And this is her word. This is her words. With their rape babies. So that's a new version. I don't know where that one comes from. I've never... I, I had heard the, the king and all of that. That version I'd heard before. That is a new version that I have never heard of. Yeah. Yeah. I have not heard that version before. But it's interesting that so many of these fairy tales are so dark and twisted in the original versions. And we have this thing where we feel like we need to protect children from them. And yet again, we complain about some of our television as being too dark and too violent for kids. Go figure. Well, I just, I wouldn't mind reading um, the Grimm's fairy tales. I've never read them before, so I don't. I don't really know what they're like, but why did they even want to go around collecting these stories? Because they are not like, oh, kids, let's let's sit around and, and tell this story. It's awesome because they're all terrible. Well, they're all um, happily ever after. This is back in a time when you know these were the lessons. How do you tell, teach a child a lesson? It's through stories. Um, you know, what are the lessons that we can learn through these stories? With Pinocchio, if you're going to be a little shithead of a son. Mm -hmm. And crappy things are going to end up happening to you if you're not nice. Yeah, you know, he serves as, as an example for what happens to bad children. Um, Grimm's fairy tales, like you figure Hansel and Gretel, 
um, with Little Red Riding Hood, all of those that are really dark and, and scary and grim, um, they serve as warnings for kids. I guess. They're just awful. So you gotta warn the kids about the bad guys somehow. Might as well do it with a fairy tale so that they learn. I mean, yeah. you learn Stranger Danger from Little Red Riding Hood. And then, on the flip side, there is a documentary that Diane and I were talking about earlier tonight. Um, it's on, I mean, I watched it a few months ago. I'm, did you watch it recently? No, it was a few months ago as well. I, I, would, I, I would think it would still be on Netflix. So it was on Netflix, and it was called The Real Beauty and the Beast. Um, and it was basically the argument that Beauty and the Beast is based on real people. And obviously it wasn't um, a prince who got cursed by an enchantress and given an enchanted rose and all of that. It was about a French um, a couple, aristocrats, and the... Well, the, um, for a start, let me just cut in. Um, the Real Beauty and the Beast was actually a Smithsonian Channel adaptation. They, it was a documentary that they did. So if it's not on Netflix, you can find it on the Smithsonian Channel. And it wasn't just that they were aristocrats. Um, the king at the time, the French king, liked to have his own little courts of, court of freaks and of animals and things. And you know those people that are covered in all hair? I forget what the condition is called. Where they're just, it's like Wolfman kind of syndrome, like they're covered completely in fur. Um, the king was able to get a hold of one of these people. And they became, he was supposed to be one of his little freaks that was supposed to be in his his cave, in his, in his zoo. And I guess the guy endeared himself and he was very smart and the king liked him. So they, he actually him up to the status of being a gentleman and I guess he had some sort of minor um, minor title it's called hypertrichosis yes yeah and so this woman was who was also of uh, the aristocracy was um, was had to marry him that was arranged for her to marry him and it was, I guess she didn't care for him at first. She had to, theoretically, she had to grow to love him and see the man behind the beast. It was a really interesting um, documentary. I remember watching it. And so there's, so the real beast, if, if this documentary is correct, um, the real beast's name was Petrus Gonzalves, and that was the man that um, had the hypertrichosis, and so and that all took place in the 1500s. And it's a super interesting documentary. I mean, they have um, they have historical records backing, you know, his existence, his marriage, and I think they even had kids. They had. Um, yeah, they had, um, they had a daughter and and sons, and I think his, all of them had it too. I I don't think all of them had. I think the daughter. I don't. I don't think the daughter had it. They had multiple ones. Where I think one they yeah. had one girl and a couple boys. Yeah, I think I all the boys had it, but I don't think the girl had it. But anyway, it's really interesting. If you love Beauty and the Beast, you should definitely check out that documentary because. The simple fact that Beauty and the Beast may have been real people, oh my god. Well, that combined with, um, I think the author who, who wrote Beauty and the Beast, she was of upper class um, in France. So she had that story, you know, at that time, which was fairly commonplace. And then um, the countryside in France, you know, Strasbourg, Alsace, where I'm going to be this fall. Um, that's you know that was a the setting for the town the inspiration for the town at least for even for the cartoon my sister sent me a picture last week and she was like by the way i'm in alsace and doesn't this look like the fountain from beauty and the beast in the cartoon and it's where she's like where the sheep eats the book and i'm like oh yes yes it does we are going to be there and i'm going to 
you're taking in front of it with a book and hopefully a lamb or a sheep or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to live all of all of my um, almost all of my French fantasies. I say almost because I'm a huge. I love the movie Paris at Midnight. So I am planning on sitting on those stairs and I'm going to wait for Ernest Hemingway to come by with his car. Um, so I can go visit the Fitzgeralds in the 1920s. I'm still trying to figure out how I can crash this vacation with you. I think there, where there is a will, there is a way. I think I might be, I did have a friend, a good friend, Amanda. I've got pictures of it too. Um, right after Ryan and I got married, uh, we were joking around because she wanted to go on our, our vacation with us. She's like, how can you guys leave me here? Because there's always the three of us palling around. And so she's like, wait, I do yoga. I can fit into your suitcase. And we actually fit her into our suitcase. We've got pictures of her with a head sticking out. Oh, I my God. I think this, Michelle. I think you might be able to. With enough wine, you can do anything. <laughs> yeah, with enough wine, just, you know, get, stick some earbuds in my, in my ears and put some audiobooks, and I'll be good. But now, on to Beauty and the Beast, because holy cow. Yes, here I am, fangirling. Okay, I have, let me get my one nerd rage thing out of the way before we talk about how great the movie was. Okay. My only nerd rage thing is that um, her skirts were too short. Okay, I was thinking about that the whole time, because Thank you. at the... Um, at the very beginning, yes, her the ball gown, the yellow, the gold, it was too short. It didn't trail. And it was too short. Even her her day to day thing. This was roughly what seventeen hundreds France, sixteen hundreds France. At that time, up until like really the nineteen hundreds, late nineteen hundreds, early twentieth century, or no, I'm sorry, early twentieth century, late nineteenth century, it was improper for a woman to show her ankle. If you showed your ankle, you were a harlot. And they were making beauty a harlot through this whole thing. And I'm slamming my fist down because beauty was not a harlot. So I was thinking about that because at the beginning, if, if you've seen the movie, you saw that she kind of had like, she had, um, what are she they called? Underneath. Like, what are they called? Bloomers. Bloomers. Yes, thank you. So she wore bloomers under her dress. And she had like one set, one side of her dress like tucked up so that you could see the bloomers. She's showing off her freaking underwear. So and and Rich was which Rich came to see the movie with me, and he goes, "What uh, wardrobe malfunction?" And I'm thinking about it, and this is my take on it. This is what I think. So she was super ahead of her time, right? She, like, they made her an inventor, and obviously, like she's Belle, so she reads which is also like frowned upon at that time. Um, I think that was like her nod to breaking against tradition and wanting to wear pants and wanting that freedom that pants comes with and not being like saddled with a full dress and skirt, but not being quite ready to break with tradition and not wear a dress at all. That's what I think they were doing. This is the face of an unhappy historian. <laughs> That's, I was seriously thinking that the whole time during that movie whenever she was in that outfit. And I totally thought you would be so excited to hear my analysis of that outfit. It is a good analysis. It is a really good analysis. And I really do enjoy it because I think it, it, it's, it makes sense for it. But I'm still not happy about the fact that she showed off her underwear throughout most of the movie. <laughs> and she showed ankle. Belle is not a freaking harlot, people. I just no. I I I'm. That's a big thing. And no, oh, costuming screwed up on that part. <laughs> but I loved her dresses. I just I loved her. I love the whole freaking movie. Absolutely. I love. I love LeFou in that movie. Josh Gad as, as LeFou. Josh Gad is so good. What roles has he done that he's actually been crap in? Because he is wonderful. The only thing that that happened was when he started singing um, the Gaston song, I, I was watching LeFou and I was hearing Olaf. <laughs> so yeah, that a lot of like, Frozen fans were, doing, were, were thinking the same thing. I mean, even Katie, she went to go see the movie before I did, and she texted me 
afterwards and she said the same thing she goes I was watching I was hearing I was seeing LeFou but I was hearing Olaf and it was throwing me off the whole time <laughs> see I've not gotten into uh, Frozen as much as I as I wanted to um, though I really did like the movie so I'm not Olaf doesn't he didn't strike out for me as being um, Olaf but yeah he just he portrayed LeFou so well he nailed it. it. I love. I mean, LeFou was never a character that I really liked in the. LeFou was annoying before in the movie. He was that. Okay, so here's the deal. For those of you who watched the cartoon, we're going to address the controversy of LeFou being gay here a little bit. So, which they did so okay. They did so subtly up until the very end, like three seconds, and even still, that is subtle. Yeah. That's the only time that gives away that he's gay is in the in the very last three seconds. Okay, so let me break it down like this. We all know that one guy or girl who is so obsessed with their friendship with another person that you don't know if they're going to randomly just start humping them. <laughs> I kid you not, There's a, we've got a good friend of ours who has this guy friend who... He's slightly obsessive over our friend. Um, this guy, we shall call him... Um, trying to think of a name. We'll call him Bob, because that's not his name, and I don't want to, you know, be really mean and rude. But Bob kept going over to our friend, and the four, well, there was like five of us, and every time he would talk to him, he would put himself in the middle of everybody. So he was his back, he was his back to everybody else so that our friend could only see him. And we're spending the day together at Disneyland, all of us. And I swear to God, and multiple times I thought he was going to randomly hump him because he was so obsessed. And he was like, hey, hey, you got to know this. You got to do this. And oh my God, this. And this, this, me, me, me. Look at me. Look at me. Love me. Look at me. Love me. That was him. He was like LeFou. And LeFou, that was that kind of guy. So you never knew if one minute he was obsessed with this dude where he wanted to hump him and make weird babies with him or if he was just you know just kind of friendly jealousy kind of rivalry going on and that is the character of LeFou when you look at the cartoon that is him and Josh Gad just elaborated on it and gave him more depth and LeFou is a gay best friend that I absolutely wish I had oh my he's so and he's not even like like in the animated movie LeFou just blindly follows Gaston. Mm -hmm. And in in this movie, LeFou, like, he has a moral compass. Like, he knows, like, from the very beginning, he's like, okay, Belle is not into you. She is not going to marry you. Don't you think you should move on? And he's just, I just love him. He was probably my favorite character in the whole movie. Did you freeze? I feel like he froze. Uh, there we go. Okay. And that's so great that he was able to be become your favorite character in the whole movie. Um, because he was really just a supporting character in the cartoon. But Josh, um, much life. Can we just pause and talk, be super superficial for a second, and talk about how hot Gaston was? Because I would have at least considered it. You know what? I have because of the way I love this actor and I need to look him up real fast because he's been in other stuff. Luke and, Evans, right? Is his name? Huh? What is uh, his Luke Evans is his name? I think so. Let me look it up. I actually had IMDB on earlier because I was curious about something. Um, so I have it right hand really handy. Because um, I've seen him in other movies and television shows. And yeah, I, you know, I love my bad guys too. I've got this weird thing where I do not find an actor handsome unless he's played a bad guy at least once. Um, yeah, so his name is Luke Evans. Um, he has been in Dracula, The Fast and the Furious. Um, he was in The Hobbit. He was in The Girl on the Train. Oh yeah, he was in The Hobbit too. Oh, he was. He was the husband in The Girl on the Train. Yeah. That's where I've seen him. Uh -huh. Um, yeah, so he was in a couple Fast and the Furious movies, as you mentioned, The Hobbit. Um, yeah, he is just one good-looking son of a bitch. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, I, I think he, he and he looked a lot like Gaston in the cartoon. But he was actually handsome. Like, okay, I could totally, I could see her going and all the girls fawning over him. Yeah, because the cartoon, yes, on someone, um, Katie t told me that she was reading a, a thing on Facebook and a lot of girls were complaining that he wasn't big enough for Gaston. Like, mm -hmm. he wasn't brawny enough. Mm -hmm. Like, were you watching the movie? Because he was perfect. Right? I mean, you don't want a guy whose muscles are completely swallowing him. Um, but, yeah, he, he looked so much like Gaston so well. And I love how they, um, they broke down at the beginning. Because that's like a whole, uh, was a huge thing for me in the cartoon. So there's this castle. And there's a, a king and a queen and a prince, and no one knows about them. Yeah. Like, no one knows that they're out there. No one knows that the castle exists. And all of a sudden, there's this beast that no one has ever heard of. So at least in the beginning, you know, they, they mention it. They say, like, oh, well, all the memories are erased. And mm -hmm. the path to get to the castle is hidden by a magic tree, apparently. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Klein as Belle's dad is just adorable. I want the music box that he makes in the beginning. Did you see? So I was reading an article before the movie ever came out about like Easter eggs hidden in Beauty and the Beast. Yes, and they were talking about the memory with the baker. There, okay, there's that one. But the music boxes, one of them was an Easter egg for Aladdin. Um. The one that she's holding, it has the elephant and, like, the palace of Agrabah on it. And actually, apparently, they are making a live-action Aladdin. Yes! I was so looking forward to that. I was wondering how they were going to do it. I mean, it's going to be so weird for it to happen without Robin Williams, because, I mean, you can't have the genie without Robin oh, Williams. No. Um, and they're making a movie about the genie. The genie is getting his own prequel. Robin Williams left us too soon. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be... I'm so excited over this, because I love Aladdin. I love almost all of the Disney cartoons. I really do. I love... I'm a Disney girl. I grew up being a Disney girl, and I love all these live-action versions. I think it's, it started with Alice in Wonderland. Um, or, yeah, it was Alice in Wonderland. Through the Looking Glass came later. And it was so popular that they just started doing them all, and they're all so wonderful. I really like them all. But I think Beauty and the Beast has been the best so far. Have you seen The Jungle Book? I like The Jungle Book. I, I was never really a huge fan of the Disney, the cartoon to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, but I think they did a really good job with mm -hmm. um, the... Um, the live action? Yeah, for how all the animals, like oh, their actors, it. basically. Idris Elba as the tiger. <sighs> he was perfect. I got so sad when the wolf died. I know. <coughs> yeah, it was such a um, so well done. But they yeah, they're doing such wonderful jobs with these live action movies, and I'm like, keep them coming. They're so great. Keep them coming and give keep giving me the cartoons. And the library in <laughs> when we walked out, my I think one of my first texts to to Katie was. Can I just point out that Belle started falling in love with the Beast once she figured out that he likes to read? Yep. There was that wonderful quote um, oh, uh, oh, about dating. I have to find it. Um, books are sexy. If a guy doesn't own a book, don't screw him. <laughs> oh, I know which quote you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I love that quote. I'm like, yeah, it says everything. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, and the fact that it was like in the in the movie she was teach in the cartoon she was teaching him how to read, but in the movie he was already a bookworm himself, and he made fun of her for liking Romeo and Juliet, which and I totally that totally endeared me to him because I don't like Romeo and Juliet either, and I was like, oh, he's <laughs> my heart. The oh. only thing. And I don't even think it would count as a complaint, but 
I feel like there were certain scenes that were kind of watered down a little bit. Like, like when she, so she breaks in the West Wing and, you know, in the cartoon, like he, his temper is pretty bad. Like he loses it. And I feel like he didn't lose it as much as he could I have. I wanted to address some of the feminist issues with the cartoon in, in the movie. Because, I mean, you also have to consider the fact that they they didn't adapt the cartoon itself. They adapted the musical. And the mm. musical was based on the cartoon. Um, which I love because you have st we, that gave us Stanley Tucci as a piano. And he was brilliant. And I didn't even realize that was him until the very end. <laughs> I didn't recognize him at the very beginning, and then all of a sudden at the end, I was like, oh my god, that's Stanley Tucci! Oh, I'm such a huge Stanley Tucci fan. I love all of his roles. Um, even the creepy ones, unfortunately. Because, you know, the creepy ones, whenever you love an actor or an actress, and then they play this ultra-creepy role, and sometimes it just ruins it for you. Um, but he's still, he's great in whatever he does. And I was so happy that he was um the piano and he was an italian in the as the piano too he wasn't um the as a maestro i just i loved all of them but i did not so i i did but i didn't like how they had the last pedal fall and everyone started dying i did because it added oh. more tense it was to more it, tension it did but i was not prepared for it so i'm sitting there going but the witch was there already. The sorceress was there already. So, I mean, you know, everything worked out well in the end. No, I know. But when Mrs. Potts was looking for Chip and she oh. didn't know where he was and then all of a sudden Chip comes flying, I'm like, oh, my God, is Chip going to break? Because if Chip breaks, I'm walking out of this movie theater. I know. I know. <laughs> the whole time I'm sitting sitting there and I'm like just sighing with my head on my husband's shoulder. Like, I was just loving every minute of it. And, I, like, when she was singing um, I Want to Venture in the Great White Somewhere, I was crying. I was crying during that part. I'm not too ashamed to admit that. Um, I, I was definitely crying by the end. I got I had goosebumps, like, the whole time. Whenever anyone sang, I started getting goosebumps. Uh, off and on, I was crying through the whole thing. And it was so funny because at one point, Ryan leans over to me. He's like, you know, our trip to France isn't going to be like this. And I responded with, challenge accepted. <laughs> I will randomly sing in the Paris streets. Mark my words. <laughs> with enough wine. Fuck, I don't need wine. And it just started <laughs> singing randomly. There's this wonderful meme. They're like, um, um, musicals went out of style because people don't randomly break into song. And then there's a thing underneath where it's like, clearly you've never been to my house. <laughs> <laughs> It was, I really want to go see it again because mm -hmm. I just, I just want to go see it again. I know. I think I need to bug my stepmom because my, my, I don't think my dad wants to see it with her. So I'm going to have to be like, hey, Carol, let's go to the movies. Um, because I want to go see it with my mom because I remember going to see that in the theater when the cartoon came out just to make me feel really old. <laughs> I got it for Christmas on VHS. I'm pretty sure. I'm, that was one uh, I remember. Maybe not. I, don't know, I definitely remember going to see Aladdin in the movie theaters mm -hmm. and The Lion King in the movie theaters. I saw Aladdin and The Little Mermaid in the movie theaters. My godmother took me to go see it. My mom didn't take me to that many movies when I was a kid growing up. Um, so I really, really wanted Beauty and the Beast, and it was on my Christmas list, so I got it. I just remember watching it. It was that was when I watched it for the first time, and I was like, "This movie is everything. Belle is everything. That Belle is my princess. This movie is life." And I totally related it to to it too, because I felt like an outsider in my little town that I was in, and I felt I wanted something bigger. I wanted something better. I wanted adventures and travel, and in the great wide somewhere. Exactly. Did you and want it more than you could tell? I did. I wanted it way more than I could tell. I wanted it way more than I can even tell now. <laughs> and so, it was, yeah, Belle was totally, she was my princess. Well, it was such a good movie. And clearly, we need to talk yeah. about Dan Stevens as a beast, though. Oh, my gosh. He, so they didn't make him look, like, as beastly as I would have thought. 
But he was still quite beastly. I mean, but, he was, I mean, he, was, he, was I mean, he still looked human. It like, was, yeah, he looked human. It just, they did a really good job. And in the cartoon, uh, this, okay, this is going to sound really weird, but I liked him better as a beast than when he turned back into a prince. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I really didn't like Adam as he was so pretty boy. He was way too pretty. Yeah, but I like him and well, I like Dan Stevens because he was um he played played Matthew Crawley on Downton Abbey and I was a big Downton Abbey fan. And so I already had that little crush on him as being Matthew. And Sorry, that, was that was just like, oh, be still my heart. It was I, I don't think um, Rich said that he had he had read articles or seen things on Facebook about people complaining that they could have found a better bell. A better bell? And, and I really don't know who they could have cast that would have played a better bell than Emma. Um, wow, I just blinked on her last name. Emma Watson. Well, there were there were multiple things that go on with Emma as Bell. I mean, she's got the looks for it, she could pass off as Bell. But she is a bookworm in real life. And she's somebody that book other bookworms kind of fangirl over. I mean, she leaves books in subways randomly. Yes. You know, how much I would pay. Do you know how much money I would pay to find one of her books in a subway somewhere? You know, right? I'm like, crap. I'm hoping that when I, on our way through uh, to Paris, we have a layover at Heathrow, and I'm going to be keeping my eye out for a book. Just in case she happens to be going through Heathrow too, and oh gee, she leaves a book behind. Um, so yeah, I'm so hoping for that. I might hate you forever if that happens, but <laughs> you'll never. Yeah, not only do I get to go to France, but I find a book from Emma Watson. Um, yeah, <laughs> there is no amount of um, Paris or um, London shot glasses that will ever make up for that. No, you're gonna have to send me the book, and then I will send it back when I'm done. We'll see. We'll see if you ever send it back. You might be like, "Oh no, no, I haven't read it yet." No, two years later. Oh no, I just haven't read it yet. I, I'm sorry. I'm getting to it. It's next on my list. I promise. Yeah, and then we're like 85, and you're like, "Oh, okay, I finally read the book." <laughs> Here, you can have it back now. Although, yeah. All the wine stains there are purely accidental, but then I just realized I would never let a book get close enough to wine to get wine stains on it. Well, so, I mean, I let it get close enough, but I will, I'm very careful about what stains I get on it. There's no wine stains or coffee stains on or tea stains on my book. Lil, uh, was it Lily or Lynn? I think it was Lily left. Well, Lily left a glass of water on my bookshelf, and Landon got a hold of it and knocked it over. So there's like six or seven books that are like all puffy from water damage and it's, it's it was a very rough day when i found that yeah yeah i don't blame you well i think we are at our hour now so we are already i know it went by fast it did now i actually have to go work on stuff i know I now i have to go to bed I have to do a presentation, and I actually have to do some other writing, and I have to prepare for April A to Z. So if you guys are actually following me on my blog, Creating Her Story, uh, starting in April, I am going to be doing, um, for every letter of the alphabet, I'll be doing a bio on a woman. Um, for example, on Saturday, we start off with the letter A, and my um, the woman I'm doing the bio on is Anna Mae Wong, the first Chinese actress. And I've it's really, it's really weird and really interesting in the light of all the current events happening with um, the whitewashing of Asian um, actors and roles, whitewashing of Asian roles in in Hollywood, and the struggles that she went through as an Asian actress. So check out Creating Her Story and um, come and read all the stuff that I'm writing on that. And cheer me on so that I can actually make it through the whole alphabet this year. You can do it. I believe in you. Last year I made it to T, so... No, I made it to V, so I missed like four. I was four short before I before I stopped and lost her and lost it. Well, I'll check in around like N to see how we're doing. Oh no, I expect you to keep on regularly. You okay. you have to check out regularly. <laughs> okay, 
I will check it regularly. (laughs) You don't get a pass. (laughs) Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. And um, we'll see you all next week. Oh, and before we go, um, pick your book, whether you're reading Guests on Earth or you're reading Z. Um, If you're reading Guests on Earth, it's how many chapters? Oh, it's 15 chapters, so we're figuring how many months, how many weeks we got in this month. Let's quickly do math, because math is hard. Yeah, let's do math after a glass of wine. (laughs) One glass for you, like two for me. All right, so I've got four, we've got four weeks. They're coming in on the 30th, right? The 25th. The 25th, okay. Oh, I'm looking at March. Okay, that'll explain why I was like, 25th, that's a Saturday. Okay, so today's the 30th, so we've got one, two, three, four weeks. So let's say for next week, we're going to do for uh, guests on Earth, we're going to do chapters one through four. I'm sorry, I keep yawning. I don't mean to keep yawning. It's late for you, so that's okay. And there's no chapter breakdown here, so just read. If you're reading, <laughs> well, go to the back and see what the chapter last chapter is. Okay, well, if you want to be smart about it, <laughs> oh, let's see. This is what They're happens. Not numbered. She doesn't number them. No. Oh. Oh no! Wait, they are. Okay, just kidding. So I think the last one I saw was fifty-two. So just read. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just read your little hearts out if you choose Z. Let's go. <laughs> if your team guests on Earth, chapters one through four. Oh yeah, make it easy. Totally. All right, hey, everyone, have a good night.